there is a technical engineers. Y'all help me out out there. <laughs> send, me a, send me a message. But traffic. I'm not sure what you mean by traffic. Um, there's a term where it for networking. All right, not engineers. All my networking folks out there. There is a word low balance. Yes, uh, EJ that is in our uh, watching the show live. He jumped it. He or she jumped in low balance. That's the term I was looking for. Okay. <laughs> when, you're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, aka Brother Tech. And this is Nika Monford, aka Tech Savvy Diva. And welcome back to the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. We definitely want to thank you for coming back to another episode. This is episode sure. 180 of the Snob OS Show. Uh, we definitely want to thank all of the people that have been riding for us with us this long. We want to give a special shout out to those who have decided to step up and support the show financially. Uh, if you are enjoying the content, we definitely want you to share the podcast. We want you to uh, like and subscribe on all the channels. We want you to join us in our Discord community. But we also want you to uh, look into uh, supporting us financially. And you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash snobOSCast. And we have a couple of tiers that you can contribute to the show. We are actually recording the show live and we want to thank all of our current Patreon supporters who are actually watching us live. We've got a couple of people in the lobby chatting with us as we do this show. Speaking of this show, uh, let's get right into it. We're going to start off with our first segment called the lowdown where we talk all things Apple and off the top, I have a uh, bone to pick. <laughs> let's get it. <laughs> it seems like all of the iOS 16 how-to articles are, and not just iOS, you know, uh, for those who don't know, uh, in the fall, Apple normally announces new operating systems for your iPhone, for your iPad, for your Apple Watch, for your Mac computers and for any other things like HomePod, Apple TV, so on and so forth. Around now is when the developer betas have been released because Apple wants the developer, the community to come out there, play with this alt software, find bugs, report them, figure out how they can make things better before they actually release the official version in the fall around September to the actual public. And it seems like maybe it's just me. I'm maybe I'm is I'm being bothered too much by it. But it seems like all of the articles are how to do this or how to do that in this beta. That, in my opinion, something may change between now and September. In many cases, Apple's getting close. They've kind of nailed down. They've kind of um, substantiated and solidified a lot of the features and functionalities. I get it. So it makes sense that a lot of the news, uh, tech news journalists, the articles, the websites will focus on how to do some of these things. It just bothers me that I know you need content. 
And I know people read these articles and I know people want to know what's going on. I get it, but it just bothers me that all of these articles about a software that hasn't even come out yet, everybody's so definitive in how sharing with their readers and their followers on how to do these things. It just bothers me. So I just wanted to get your opinion on how do you feel about, you know, all the news surrounding Apple specifically around this time seem to be on how you do these things in a beta that really isn't finished yet. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I mean, we know how tech writers can be, especially when it comes to anything new with Apple. Um, I will say we talked last week where they released their beta threes of all of these um, uh, operating systems. Now they have the public beta out. So it's one of those things where it's like you have to take it with a grain of salt. I was looking at some of the articles um, that you post in the show notes. I wish there was some sort of, you know, editor's note that, you know, address the fact that this is a public beta this is not finalized. Things are subject to change because they're going to have folks locked into this thinking, oh, this is how this works. Is that how that works? You never know what features might be pulled out, what features might be added, what might be tweaked, the UI might change. So it's just so many different things, but everybody always wants to be the first to say, this is how you do something, or this is what I I found. You know, I'm the, I'm the, the four leader on this because I put it out first. So I must know the most about it and what it boils down to. Again, it's a beta, the first public and the first public beta. So God only knows what folks might find when they're testing this or what Apple may just decide, you know what? We don't really like the way this looks. We're going to switch it up. So in the race to be first, people sometimes, oftentimes miss the mark. So we'll see how true that is once the actual final beta, the final releases comes to September. Right. Now I will say to their credit, most of the articles that I see uh, more recently, I've been on YouTube and I've watched a lot of the how to uh, of the new betas. And you mentioned public betas. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, I will say a lot of the um, things I've read and uh, you know, videos that I've watched, they do make sure to mention that this is a beta. This is not the final version. Uh, they do have a little bit of a disclaimer in there, but again, to your, to your point, everybody's in this rush to be first. I can see how somebody watching these videos, looking at the articles are getting excited about the uh, upcoming features. Yeah. So much so that they will go ahead and they install blow past by that. <laughs> right. They'll go ahead and install the the beta and then it breaks a functionality that they use on the regular, like they depend on. And -hmm. now you're stuck because it's very, very hard. Not very, very hard. It takes some time to roll back. Yeah. To roll back to the non beta version, you know, so. And if you use this on your primary device, it, I mean. Who has a bunch of devices laying around to most people have the devices that they use. Yeah. (laughs) So you I say, type people who have multiple right. <laughs> devices. Even, even myself. I use myself for a perfect example. I've got a um, Mac and a phone and a tablet. You know, my kids got phones and tablets. My wife got phones and tablets and watches, you know, but we use these things on a regular basis. You know, I don't have a, maybe I should, I don't have a uh, beta 
iPhone 14 or whatever the case may be, or 13 rather, or 12 or 11. Maybe I should. Maybe I when should. I was, when I was playing around with betas, I did. I never put it on my primary phone. Yeah. I always put it on a backup phone. But I'm pretty sure most people have their daily driver mm-hmm. that they get geeked up from these articles about all these cool new features that won't be here for a couple months and people can't wait. So they install them. And like I said, it breaks a major functionality. So, and um, then here you go on Twitter. This is, this doesn't work. This is the worst. It DDD da da da. Well, this is the risk you take when you put a beta on your primary device. Right. And most people put the beta on there, uh, not to say, you know what? I want to contribute to the Apple community and I'm going to find uh, some issues with this new feature. And I'm going to, because, you know, the public beta, even the developer betas, they have a whole section to where you can submit feedback about a functionality, a feature, a a bug or whatever that you found. You can submit that feedback. I'm, I'm, I'm not a gambling man, but I'd bet some money on the percentage of people who are using the developer and the public beta to actually contribute and find and discover things that will make the software better when it officially uh, launches later on down the road. I'm willing to bet not even 5% of people actually do that. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds about right. All right. So like I said, speaking of betas, I'm, my guess is the reason why all of these articles are starting to drop now because the public beta has started to roll out to users this week. The difference between the developer beta is the idea is you are creating, whether it be apps, whether it be functionality, whether it be all these different things that will be utilized on Apple devices. So you are registered with Apple as a developer. And the benefits of being registered with Apple as a a developer is you get early access to the beta so you can then create, update, edit your app, your feature, your functionality, so it'll be ready when the official one drops out in the fall. Well, Apple, I'd say in the past five years, I want to say, has expanded their betas to be public betas. And I'm assuming from Apple, the whole point of that is, okay, well, let's get a larger group of people testing this software so we can do a better job at, um, and I'll... (laughs) since I'm not the developer of us, I'll let you kind of explain, you know, what are the benefits of Apple opening up a beta software to the public? What, what benefits does Apple get from that? So the benefits, when you start, when you go back to the developer build, again, most of the times the developer build, the developer is singularly focused on ensuring that their app is compatible with the new OS so that when it's released, They can do their updates. People can keep using their product. They can keep generating the revenue. The benefit from the public beta is you're getting people who aren't one laser focused and two who aren't may not be super technical in the in the developer front. So they may do things on this device that someone who is more technically inclined might not, might not do because they know this is stupid. Why would you even do that? That makes no sense. Whereas someone who is just, they use they use their phone for social media, texting, whatever the case may be, they may find some things that 
engineers might not find because I know in developing, you can get laser focused on what you're doing and you don't necessarily think outside the box. You don't necessarily think of any edge cases or use cases that this could be used from. And you have this block of people, this large block across different, you know, ethnicities, different social backgrounds, different education levels. So you get a nice cross section of people using this that gives you feedback that says, hey, we might not have thought about that. They caught that. Let's go and fix this. Let's go and add this. Let's go and change this. Let's go and update this. So that's the biggest benefit for Apple is they get a larger base of people to use the use the OS. And the other thing is they may find things or use it in a way that you may not have intended that might either be positive or negative. So either way, it just gives, it's more information that Apple gets to have um, before they actually do the final release. Right. There's a technical term that I can't think of it when you have um, people, a bunch of people, I can't think of the, it's called, I want to say groundswell, but that's not the right word. When you stress test, that's what I was looking for. Oh, okay. It just, it just hit me. Um, I thought I, my assumption was Apple wants to stress test their software by having a larger population of people use the technology at the same time. It's one and thing. And performance like, as well. Right. And performance, you know, how long it lasts, you know, uh, things of that nature. More in addition to, like you said, uh, developers just focusing on their app and they don't touch anything else with the operating system or the software, um, you know, like getting public, getting the public to actually stress test, you know, the, the software means, OK, well, you know, we've got I don't know. I don't know how many people sign up for the public beta. I would say maybe millions of people maybe Likely. Um, would sign up for that would give them a better idea of how well the performance under a particular stress is going to work so then they can kind of beef things up you know um what do you call it when you um split the traffic um split the traffic. i'm at a lot i'm at a loss for worse today um yeah, i don't know <laughs> split from traffic uh diverge no uh, there's sword. a technical <laughs> there's a technical term traffic where you uh there is a technical engineers y'all help me out out there <laughs> send, me a, trying, send me a message traffic i'm not sure what you mean by traffic um there's a term where it for networking all right not engineers all my networking folks out there there is a word low balance yes uh ej that is in our uh watching the show live he jumped it. He or she jumped in low balance. That's the term I was looking for. Okay. <laughs> when, when you can segment traffic to go to different places to where they're all not dumped on one server. So Apple says, okay, well, yeah. right. They can kind of do a better job of expanding servers, do more low balancing. So when the actual operating systems or software drops and millions of people jump on it at the same time, They've got their servers, they got their networking set up to where traffic doesn't overload one specific place and that because that causes backups, that causes all kinds of things. So <laughs> And you can't forget the hater contingent as well, because there are plenty of people 
who get the beta just to find stuff wrong. So they right. can say, this is not right. This is stupid. Why do they do this? So they got their hater contingent, which actually benefits them more because they can find stuff or do things with the device that, uh, you know, they may, like, again, they may not have even thought about. So it's. Pretty, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. So all that to say, uh, if you are interested and honestly, if I'm keeping it a hundred percent, I may, I'm thinking about it. I haven't done it yet. I may download the public beta on just my iPad because I'm definitely interested to see how the stage manager works on an iPad. Of course, Are you stage put it manager on your or your old pro. The one, my old, my air, the one I use now because I don't use it. I barely use it. I'm using it now for the show. Right. But like throughout the week, I hardly ever use it. So if something broke some major functionality, I wouldn't be tripping. Right. Uh, but I'm definitely interested to see how that'll work on an iPad. I know I can conceptualize how it's going to work on the uh, Mac with uh, Mac OS Ventura when that drops. But I'm interested to see how that works on the smaller screen, oh, specifically my 11-inch iPad Air. I'm going to see how that stage manager works. And if it actually you know, it solves my problems of multitasking. So uh, for, go ahead. No, I said, I'll just agree. Gotcha. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, as a preview or as a review, uh, the public betas for iOS 16, that's for your iPhones, iPad OS 16, watch OS nine, Mac OS Ventura and TV OS 16. And I think even HomePod has a beta out there. So if you are interested, uh, we'll make a put, make sure to put a link in the show notes on how you can access the uh, Apple public betas that have started rolling out this week. Cool. All right. So that's all we got for the lowdown. We're going to move into second string where we talk just tech in general. Now I'm pretty sure um, as if you aren't a part of the Patreon and you haven't got early access to this, if you're listening to it, when it releases on Friday, uh, Prime Day, plural, <laughs> will have came and went. But right. I wanted to ask you, uh, Nika, did you uh, get anything in general? It doesn't have to be Apple, just in general. Did you take advantage of the Prime Days, which was July 12th and the 13th? 13th. I currently have a couple things in my uh, cart. Um, I don't know. I wasn't super excited about Prime Day. Um I'll probably take a look tonight before everything <laughs> is closed out to see. The only thing I have like um, a stream deck uh, in my cart. Um, I have, I'm redoing upstairs. So I, they have like some new mattresses, like 79 bucks, like the memory foam ones oh, for like mm -hmm. my guest room. So I was like, you know, that's not bad because mattresses are expensive. I was like, I might get that. So that's in my cart. But um, before the show, when I was coming in, my camera was kind of flaking out and I need a new mic. So I may go and see if they have those type of things. But other than that, there's not really any technology out right now that I want that I don't have. So it's not really, it's like maybe a TV, but I have TVs everywhere. What am I going to do with another TV? I don't know. I might mm -hmm. just buy one just to have one. But, you know, those kind of things. I may go and see if they have the, um, if there's a deal on the over-the-ear, um, the AirPods Max. I may go mm -hmm. and see if there's something like that out there. But other than that, uh, not too much. All right. Not too all much. right. Um, 
So I got some water shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, backstory, um, there is a water park, like maybe 20 minutes away from my house. And they always get you with the tickets for one day are like, let's just say $30. You know, there's, there's five, there's five of us in the family. If we go for a day, 30 times five, you do the math, right? What they say is uh, you can just get this day pass (laughs) or if you spend just, you know, 20 or 30 more dollars, you could get a season pass for all the family. So of course my wife is, she's not, well, you know, I'm gonna keep it a hundred. She's cheap. Um, she does not she see the value <laughs> in spending, you know, X amount of dollars to, for one day when you can spend just a little bit more and then get a whole season pass. So fast forward <laughs> to today, uh, we have a season pass for the water park and it gives us access to the regular uh, theme park with the roller coasters, which okay. that's about 45 minutes away from my house. So we're going to be going to the water park <laughs> to get our money's worth multiple times this summer. So I decided to get some uh, water shoes. And the reason why I did that is because um, I'll normally go to the water park and I'll have some uh, flip flops. Mm -hmm. But if you get on the water slides, trying to (laughs) hold those (laughs) while you're going down the water slide (laughs) is not ideal. So I actually found they were like, 40 bucks regularly, but they were during the Amazon Prime day, they're like $24. And basically what they are, they're like those surf shoes that surfers wear, but you wear them as shoes. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're walking around on the hot concrete <laughs> while the sun is beating down, you can have those shoes on, but you don't have to take them off when right. you get into the water uh, rides, the water, you know, the lazy river and the wave pool and the water slides. So I I got a pair of those and I bought a um, Belkin um, MagSafe vent mount for my car, for my car to where you you, uh, attach it to your air vents in the, on the dash. And then you, since it's MagSafe, I think the third, the iPhone 12 and 13 right now, have the mag, have the mag safe to where it's just a magnet and it, oh yeah the big circular magnet on the back yeah before um i had one of those <laughs> the cd mounts since i don't use the cd player they have mounts out that you can like slide hmm. into the cd player and then that attaches to a um a stand where you can put their your phone in problem with that is it was cheap and it broke <laughs> and it when it didn't break it never really stayed in the cd thing very securely it was a little loose it was kind of loose right yeah. so i was like all right well let me get let, since i've got a compatible magsafe iphone let me get the belkin and it was like again that was like 25 bucks down from like 40 50 bucks uh let me get that and try that to where it attaches to my vents vent the vent um blades i guess for lack of a better term yeah and then that uses the magnet from the back of the magsafe on my iphone and it attaches to it so i'm gonna give that a try so uh those are the only two things um there are a bunch of things that i want um oh. i'm getting heavy 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 into doing the home automation and a smart home but all the things i need are super expensive <laughs> and i need everything i need new cameras i need to finish putting the smart 
switches. I need um, to upgrade my smart thermostats. I need to switch off from the Google. I've got the Nest, which is owned by Google. No, no yeah. Amazon. Amazon, so I'm sorry, yes. Uh, the um, thermos, the uh, smoke detector and CO detectors, I want to switch those to um, something HomeKit compatible. I've got ceiling fans that I want to make smart ceiling fans. So all that adds up to a lot of dollars that I'm not trying to spend right now. So, right. Um, so yeah, I just went the cheap route and got some, you know, $20, $30 stuff and called it a day. <laughs> so you can say you participated. I didn't and, feel and save some money, you know, yeah. it wouldn't, wouldn't, I saved a couple bucks. So yeah. I, like you said, I participated and got my money's worth. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't too, you know, drawn to it this year. When it first was announced maybe a few weeks ago, and I think we talked about it on the show because it was like super early. I was like, oh, this is cool. This stuff. And then I think it was because it was so early and the deal started coming out. It kind of lost its luster. So I'm like, eh, if there's something that kind of pops up, then sure, you know, I'll I'll do it. But nothing really that just, you know. Right, right, right. Gotcha. So, yeah, let us know, um, folks in the chat, uh, who, or if you're listening to us, you know, once we release on Friday, if you got anything from Amazon, hit us up, go to our socials, or you can hit us up in Discord. Let us know what you got. Yep. All right. So, my next story is um, there's a couple dating apps from the match. I didn't know they had multiple dating apps, but um, in a move to make people feel more safe. Uh, the match group has expanded background checks so users can screen dates. So uh, what last, I'll say last week I rewatched uh, the Tinder swindler. Well, <laughs> I was, a, we, we, meaning me and my wife were supposed to watch, rewatch it, but she went to now, sleep. Yeah. She's watched this. She's watched up to the same point both times and fell asleep at the same well not take it back got a little bit further than last time but I've seen it twice <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of um, falls in line to you know people out there online trying to date and you know there's really no real foolproof way to vet somebody before you you know start to interact with them or maybe even meet them in person uh, but dating apps are super, super popular. Um, the match group has decided to expand a partnership with background check service Garbo to roll out the safety feature to two more of his dating apps as of course, singles push for in-person meetups. So it's one thing to be on, you know, these dating apps and just interact with them virtually uh, but when it's time to make that next move and actually meet them in person, uh, the match group has um, decided they're going to work with this Garbo, which is a nonprofit background check platform that shows public records, including arrests, convictions and sex offender registry information since a 2021 investment in the company, the amount of which was undisclosed. So. Um, basically what they've done is they've got Garbo themselves got an investment and decided to partner with match and match is going to utilize the, um, this technology again, to give a little bit more ammunition for people who are dating online. So since I'm the spoken for member of the group, I guess I'll ask you, Nika, how do you feel about, 
uh, dating apps in general. And I guess what, what is your, uh, what do you think, or what is your process when it comes to vetting people online that you maybe decide, to, okay, well, let's see if we can meet up or something. The dating apps are hell. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> they are. It's a lot. I haven't been on them in a really long time because it is as soon as you make your profile active, it's just a flurry of things. And me, myself, I'm one of those type of people where if I think about something, then, oh, hey, I got this up here. Let me go look. And what friends who found partners on these apps have told me is that you have to be consistent. You have to like go on there multiple times a day, every time a day. I'm not that type of person. But when you say, what, what, when you say be consistent, just to find a match or when they say, what's the purpose of being on to, there multiple yeah, times? Yeah, to find a match. Because okay. again, like I said, as soon as you turn it on, people start pinging you. Oh, like, wow. Immediate. It's, it's, it's like instantaneous. And I'm like, how? I just turned it on. What the world? <laughs> So, but it's like one of those things where you could have someone trying to chat with you or talk with you or whatever, but if you're not on the app, unless you have the, I guess, I don't even know if the notifications, I never turn notifications on on anything because all the extra buzzing just annoys me. But it's one of those things where to like consistently meet people and talk to people, you kind of have, to, you have to be on there. You have to make time to go into the app to swipe and like it and chat and all those things. But a lot of people do use these apps. A lot of people, you know, swear by them. Um, and so I think it's good for them to definitely have this extra layer of protection. Again, like you said, when, you know, you were introing it, nothing is foolproof, but this does give people, especially women, a little bit more security in who they're talking to, if they can see, if they have a record or, you know, not just say you can exclude, you want to exclude people who have, you know, a record, but you could see what they, if it was a speed ticket or if it was murder or whatever the case may be, you can kind of get a clearer picture of, of who you're, you're dealing with. So I think it's helpful. Um, I think um, people will definitely get a benefit from it. Um, but I was concerned. So you have to pay for it, right? So say if you find someone you like, you if I was on an app and there was someone I was interested in meeting offline, I would have to pay $2.50 for each search plus a 75 cent processing fee. So, I mean, it is, it's only like maybe three or four bucks, granted. But if you're on there and you're interested in multiple people, which it's a numbers game on these apps, the more people you interact with, the more people you meet, the more likely you are to, you know, engage with someone. So you want to, you know, do these checks before you meet them in person. So it can probably, you know, end up being um, a bit of a, of a fee of an additional fee that you already pay, you know, you already pay for the service anyway. So, you know, it just really depends on if you're one of those people that are like, I want to find a partner. I want to find my husband, my wife, or whatever the case may be, you're really in it to win it. Or for the casual, you know, person like, oh, let me just go see who's over there in my neighborhood. Because I know people, when they go out, they're like, oh, let me see who's around. And because it does it, it does it by location. So if you're going to dinner on a different side of town or a different area than you normally go to, it's like, oh, let me see who's on here in this area. People and do that. For what purpose? To meet them? To see, yeah, to see. 
randomly or like, hey, let's see, you know, they may have a better pool of people over here. So let me kind of see what's going on. Yeah. That don't people. sound safe at all. <laughs> but people do it. It's like, ooh, let me see who's over here. And they pop it open and see, do their swipes and do their searches to see who's in their general vicinity. And I think some of the apps have like same location type linky things or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. So uh speaking to your the the fee thing, uh if I uh, if I was single and I was depending, use the term lightly, but if I was relying on a app to pair me with a potential match, whether it be just to have fun, be social, or to actually look, I'm looking for a partner, I would personally want to pay for the premium tier or the, Absolutely. the next level tier. If that means I'm going to get some additional features, that's going to make it easier or make it safer for me to find an actual match. So the way I think this way this works is um, Garbo actually did a um, partnership with Tinder at first, and then they expanded to the match apps, which is match and then stir. They're, those are the two that they recently went with. So for Match and Stir, the offer is available in the app safety centers. Paid users will will receive four free searches, while free subscribers will get two background searches. So it sounds like the people who actually pay to use the the service. Mm-hmm. With this new, yeah, with this new inter uh, integration, they'll get four free searches, while people who just use the freemium version uh, will get just two background searches. And they they specified free searches sounds like it's all encompassing, while just a background search will just give you a little bit of information. Um, Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Um, You, the way it works is users are asked to input their potential date's first name and phone number in order for Garbo to pull up any relevant records. If that doesn't work, other combinations such as full name, age, and location often can pull up the correct user according to the company's website. So basically, at a bare minimum, similar to, I'm assuming, similar to how on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Brother Tech, right? But in Mm -hmm. real life, I'm Terrence Gaines, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm assuming people do the same thing on dating apps. Their username could be whatever, but that's not their real name. Right. That's not, you know. They have handles. They do handles. Handles. Other things could be fabricated as well, like their age, like where they live. You know, Mm -hmm. real like high level things that people. Because they lie a lot. Because they lie a lot, right? So (laughs) this service, you know, if you do a little you know, word entry, you could find this person and get more information about them before you decide to meet up. And I think Um, this is a point where they are expecting you to use this when you've been chatting a while and you're deciding we're going to meet in real life. You need the person's name. Well, you would want to know the person's name and their phone number to chat with them outside of the app. Um, So I think that's where they're likely expecting people to really use this app. I mean, use this feature is once you've met someone, 
you've had some conversations, you seem to like them, and you're willing to go to the next stage in this, whatever you want to call it. So you would theoretically at this point have their name and their cell phone number. I don't know. I don't know. The way you explained how some people use these things, they don't care about none of that. They all they care about is wherever they're and those, at, and those people probably somebody. would and those people probably wouldn't care about background search. Anyway, I think this is really geared towards people who are trying to find a significant relationship on this app. Versus the people who just out there having a good time. Run up on somebody. <laughs> and come to find out they got enemies and they enemies after them and they need them to right. wire $40,000. Right. Still or they're actually married with children. With children, <laughs> with a whole whole family. A whole, whole family. Because that happens too. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Uh, but to each his own. Like I said, I'm out the game. So uh, good luck out there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrible. It's All right. Terrible. So the other story I wanted to talk about is uh, Linktree. Uh, for those who don't know, we actually use Linktree for our show. And basically it is a uh, website um, that we can put in our bios, like for Twitter, for Instagram. And if you click on that link, it'll take you to a web page to where you can get more information. Like for instance, perfect example, we use it for Snobos cast. Uh, we use it in Twitter and we use it in Instagram to where you just get one link in the bio. But if you click on that link, it'll take you to listening to our show on Apple Podcasts, going to our website, going to our Patreon, joining our Discord. Within that one link, Linktree lets you go, um, lets you put up all these different sites to where you can actually uh, get more information, give out more information. Well, the cool thing about what they're trying to do now is they're giving you the ability to... um, excuse me to where it just gives you uh, a actual mobile app to where you can actually manage those links. Right. So the way you do it now is, you know, if we want to edit a link to our web, to our podcast or our website, to our social media handles, whatever, we have to go to the link tree website, sign in and edit those links. Well, in the uh, coming in, I don't know, in the next couple of weeks or so, uh, Linktree is going to offer a mobile app to where we can manage those profiles via uh, a mobile app. So I just want to put that out there because we use it. And I know a lot of uh, content creators, a lot of influencers, they want people to have access to uh, as much information as possible. And let's just say if I'm an Instagram influencer and I want you to go to my YouTube page, you know, or I want you to message me on Twitter or I want you to join my newsletter. It's kind of hard to do that in Instagram because Instagram gives you no links. Well, you can put links in stories, but it's unlike Twitter. It's unlike Facebook to where you can put links to things. And even in those websites, what I've learned with Facebook is if you tell somebody about an article that you read and you put a link to that article, Facebook does not want people leaving their Facebook app. So what they'll do is they will hide, not hide, they they will they will surface more conversations and kind of downplay links to external websites. So you won't get if you think you're sharing this to all your family and friends, all your family and friends may not see this article. So what people do with Linktree is they'll just put a link in their bio 
And then in the conversation or in the post, like specifically for Instagram, they'll say, for more information, click the link in the bio. And that takes them to the link tree, which then gives them the ability to go to YouTube, yada, 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 so on and so forth. So I just thought that was interesting because even me, like I have a website, you know, brothertech.com, but I don't have a terrencegains.com that'll, you know, give you more information about me. I can see using Linktree as a business card to where if I give you a business card and if I'm getting real technical, I put a little NFC chip in the business card and you scan it with your phone, mm. it'll take you to Linktree where it'll say, you know, find out about me on Snob Cast, find out about me on something else or check out the article I wrote for whatever the case may be. So I just thought that was interesting that I put that out there. Cause I know a lot of content creators use those. Nice. Right, I know right. a lot of people do, and it's easy to have everything kind of all lumped together. Right. Right. So uh, that's it for a uh, second string. We're going to move into uh, for the culture. Um, I saw this and we've kind of talked about this kind of harped on it in the past about how, um, black content creators aren't getting the same shine as our uh, counterparts when it comes to actually making money at being an influencer. So I found this uh, story on the Grio. Uh, Snapchat partners with Google, Will and Jada Smith, even though I, I feel a kind of way about that. <laughs> the title just put Will Smith, but actually mm. it's Will and Jada's um, what is their, um, their, their production company? Yeah. The Westbrook media, Westbrook, yeah. Which is Will and Jada Smith, right. <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh, they are partnering with um, Snapchat to uh, offer black content creators $120,000 a year. Uh, and it's called this new 523 um, program that also provides mentorships and refers companies original or first to the company's original original address was just 523 oceanfront walk in venice california so basically what the program does is you have to uh, apply for the program and if you uh, are approved for the uh, program it gives creator support on top of money which is one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year is nothing to sneeze at in addition to that it'll give them uh, support and give them other resources to help them get the recognition they deserve. Because again, like we mentioned before, um, black content creators have had troubles to say the least when it comes to getting the sponsorships, getting the brand deals, or just getting the flat out recognition for the content uh, they create. A little bit more information, um, 25 creators, you got to be black and emerging talent. Well, you got to identify as black. Be an emerging talent who's over the age of 18, uh, 25 will only be selected. Those 25 creators will receive 10,000 a month as a stipend for a year, a new Google pixel, a smartphone, plus things like mentoring, partner education from experts, exposure and marketing. So I just wanted to, um, get your opinions on, uh, is this a good idea? Is Snapchat, Snapchat the way to go? Should they have picked something else? What do you, what is your take on this whole program? So I think, uh, you know, I'm never going to begrudge anyone to, you know, get some money and $10,000 a month um, is nothing to sneeze at. Um, so in that respect, you know, it's good that they're, they're doing something and 
25 content creators, that's great. There is a larger issue here. And the larger issue is that there are a lot of Black content creators who get overlooked. And while this is great for this 25 and maybe the next 25 and the next iteration, there are thousands of content creators out there making good content that gets co-opted by someone else with a larger platform. So my thing is, this is great that you're pouring into this particular thing, but how about let's let's make sure the platform as a whole mm-hmm. is doing the right thing. Let's invest money in that to make sure that we not, may not necessarily need these programs if you make sure that the platform itself mm-hmm. is providing the equal access. The algorithm is not burying black folks. The algorithm is not bl- uplifting certain you know people. Let's put some money into that. If you have money to give, Put some money back into your company to ensure that your platform is going to be equitable for everyone who's using it. So I I see what you're saying. So instead of Snapchat partnering with Will and Jada Smith to create this external separate, well, it's not separate, but external program to work with black content creators to make sure they get the shine they deserve, they could take that what $100,000 times 25, $120,000 times 25 and actually put that in making the platform better. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. I, 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 you know, I didn't look in, I didn't even look at it like that. And that probably would be a little bit better, but who wants to change? <laughs> Nobody really wants to change. Why? When we can make everyone feel better and say, look, we're doing something for the Blacks. We're giving them money. It's only 25 of them. So it's a small population, but we're doing something. That's why I say right. that's great. And I'm, I'm definitely for it because it does elevate, you know, some content creators, but in all likelihood, it's going to be content creators who already have a platform, who right. are already, you know, on the right. forefront. What about some emerging leaders where you can see they don't have the, they may not have the visibility, but they have great content. What about those people? Let's uplift them. Or, you know, you can have those projects on the side, but let's let's look at the the whole and make sure that, you know, everybody has access and is doing, is getting done right by. Right. So, so get, people aren't forced to shove a camera in their kid's face and tell them they got to go fight. <laughs> right. Right. To, to get some shine, right. To go viral. Cause I think that's the thing, you know, we kind of talked about it um, as a kind of call back to our uh, pre-show. You got to be a member of our Patreon community to hear that backstory show um, that comment. But um, I think that's where a lot of content, content creators in general, not just black content creators, but content creators in general, right. they the trying to beat the algorithm and trying to uh, get some sort of exposure is so hard based on whatever platform you decide to be your home base to where most people just flock to doing what everybody else is doing because that's getting traction. So instead of me, I'll use myself, for example, say I wanted to be a uh, Apple tips guy on TikTok to where all the TikToks I did was 
showing people how to do cool things with their iPhone, with a Mac, with their iPad, whatever the case may be. Right. That's what I want to do as a creator. Mm-hmm. But if I'm finding out by looking at my analytics, looking at my statistics, looking at all the research, whatever the case may be, people aren't really engaging with the content. They're not really responding. They may like it. Nobody's really commenting. Nobody's really, you know, I'm not getting the the juice that I need in order to possibly get brands in order to get sponsorships in order to get uh, companies to send me free products. Right. So I see all that and I'm like, all right, well, what is everybody else doing? How is this person over here got umpteen million bajillion followers and all they're doing is dances or all they're doing is, you know, something that has nothing to do with tech tips on Apple right. stuff. So I see that it's working for them and they're going viral. So I'm like, all right, well, I need to figure this thing out. So now you see, now you see me on TikTok doing some little goofy dance. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get engagement. Trying to get engagement when initially what I wanted to do was talk about Apple tech tips, but now I'm into, you know, uh, doing all kind of other stuff. And I can see how content creators can get discouraged and even get burnt out because they're trying to do all these things just to get the juice and just to get the engagement so they can, you know, make it feel like to get a return on their investment versus just doing something that they love and just sharing it with people because that ain't working. (laughs) And then you add the fact that, you know, black content creators are getting pushed down even further. So then you got to do extra stuff. You know, I can see how being a influencer content creator, you know, on some solely on some of these platforms can be discouraging. Right. You know, and that goes back to what you were saying, you know, me signing up for this program is going to help me if I was to get approved and I get $120,000 a year, or I mean, I get $10,000 a month for 12 months and I get all this coaching and mentorship and resources, but that ain't helping everybody, you know? So like you said, it would make sense. It would behoove Snapchat to be better, you know, versus having them reach out to make a couple people, you know, get, get them better. Right. All right. So that is it uh, for for the culture. We're going to move into the hookup. Um, So like I mentioned before, I am heavy into stepping up my smart home game. And one of the things that I've been using recently is shortcuts to where if I, I can use the Apple shortcut app to actually create automations for my smart home. Mm-hmm. So like when I could, I can create a shortcut that says when I come into the house, you know, at eight o'clock, this light comes on, the TV comes on and my fan is set to medium or something like that. Well, if I want to um, do that for my wife's phone, if I want to do that for my kids phones, normally what I'd have to do is I'd have to go on each individual person's phone and create that shortcut and create that automation in order for when they come home whatever automation happens. Well, my tip for the week is instead of going to each individual user's phone to create the shortcut and then create the automation, what you can do is I can create the shortcut on my phone. And instead of going to my wife's phone and then creating the same shortcut, I can just share my shortcut with her. And then now she has the shortcut 
And then the only thing I would have to do on her end is create the automation that triggers the effect to turn on the lights or whatever the case may be. So that may not be a big tip for regular people, but if you are looking to use shortcuts a little more, especially if you're trying to implement uh, smart home functionality for other members of the house, mm -hmm. it saves a bunch of steps. If you can just create the shortcut one time and then share that to all the different devices for all the different members of your family, and then they can go on their device and run the same automation without you having to replicate the whole process on every single device. Right. So that is my tip for the week. <laughs> Efficiency. <laughs> right. Right. Like I said, you have to be a shortcuts user. You'd have to be a home cut home kit user. And then you got to be using home kit automations for that to make sense. But for the one, two people who are actually <laughs> listening to it and be like, Oh, thanks brother tech. Then I, I <laughs> then I will have served my purpose. So that is it for the hookup. And I think that is it for this week. Uh, Nika, tell us where we can find you this week. Um, I am on all the social media outlets at Tech Savvy Diva. You can mostly find me over on Twitter. Um, and that's where I am this week. All right. Same with me. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram a little bit at Brother Tech, but you can find us, Snob OS Cast, uh, everywhere on Facebook. Uh, not really Facebook. I, I'm not even going to lie to people. Twitter and Instagram. But if you want to go and find out where we are everywhere to comment, to like, to support the show, you can go to our website, go to Snob OS Cast.com to get all the details, get the latest episodes, and support the show and until next week I think that is it we are out peace bye everybody